let's let's uh let's open up in prayer and everybody who's teaching our kids today thank you so much um i know i know that you're all uh blessed that someone is taking care of your kids and uh i I hope that you will find it in your heart to be that blessing to someone else if you're capable and you can uh kind of take a rotation in doing that as well but thank you those of you who are, are serving this morning let's pray lord please bless this morning bless this time father um just use me as a vessel speak through your word and help us to bring glory to you in all that we do in jesus name we pray amen as a uh as a young man i was encouraged to think about what would you what would you do if you only had uh two minutes if you had one chance to talk to someone and you knew you would never have another chance to speak with them, uh, what would you talk to them about? What would you bring them? And so as I would uh, sometimes travel and speak at different venues and camps and whatnot, you know, I try to keep this in mind. And what I'm bringing you today is actually one of the things that, um, uh, that many times I would present. Now, I'm going to do it a little differently uh, today. Uh, but this is uh, some of the content that I would bring because potentially uh, this is the one thing you would want someone to know. They say, uh, you're, in a, you're in a cab ride in another country, you'll never see this driver again, and you want to present the gospel, what would you use? And so uh, this is one of the things that I came up with, and so I've been able to present this uh, to a lot, of, a lot of people, and it just happens to be where we are. Today is probably the last of our series in... Uh, the Exodus. We've been talking about how to exit seasons of life and uh, just just some of the like, how do I get out of where I was, sort of like the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt and then they were in the wilderness, which is where we are because it's not in slavery, but it's not yet in the promised land, right? And that's where we are on this earth. We're not we're not bound to our sins anymore because Christ has set us free, but we're not yet in heaven, right? So uh, so the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet in fullness. Uh, so we get that. And we walk through the exodus with the children of Israel. And then uh, when we get into uh, numbers, we see sort of how they're dealing with life in the wilderness. And, uh, and the answer was not very good. <laughs> they, w- they weren't doing very well. And this is sort of a... Um, This is an interesting passage because the people have gone through 10 different tests and they have failed all 10. And and if you remember from last week, uh, God was like, you do not get to enter into the promised land uh, because I have given you 10 chances to have faith in me and you have not every single time. And they did not get to enter into uh, the promised land. Now, if you go into Numbers chapter 21 with me, which, by the way, is going to be on these screens today okay um so if i see you doing this i know you're reading with me i like that that's okay uh but all the scriptures on here nobody expected you to be a bible scholar in here today okay i need you to understand that uh nobody expects you to walk in here and have everything together nobody if you were sinless we wouldn't need jesus okay there's not a single soul in this building that is sinless and that doesn't need the lord okay so whatever you're walking in here with today you're in the same boat as every other sick individual, especially the dude on stage. Got that? Can I get an amen? 
Somebody? Okay. So we're all in. Uh, we're all in the same boat. Nobody expects you to be a scholar. All the scriptures on the screen. Maybe you don't even have a Bible. Uh, it's our honor to give you one as you leave today. We have them in the foyer. And really, it's a, it's a joy and a privilege for you to get to take that. So take some notes today and then go home and, and read. Uh, read these passages that we go through. If you've never read the Bible before, uh, 39 books. There's Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament tells the story of God creating the world, choosing a people promising that one day he would bring a Savior, a Messiah. In the New Testament, it's when that Savior, that Messiah comes and it changes everything. That's Jesus. If you've never read before, go home and start in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. First four books in the New Testament, they're all first-hand surveys or eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. So John walked with Jesus. Read John. That's my encouragement to you today. Uh, and then, man, you will be... You will be in. You will be in the know on Jesus because you read from somebody that walked with him. All right. I'm in Numbers, and here we go. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Then they set out from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom, but the people be- became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water. And we detest this wretched food. Now, if you say, preacher, I've heard you say that before. Yes, you have, but I'm not reading the same passage. This is actually the seventh time that they complain about the food that God is giving them. Now, if you know, if you've been tracking with us, they wake up every morning and there is just something called manna. And manna is a Hebrew word, which means, do y'all remember this? What is it? Very good. Manna just means what is it? Because they woke up and they're like, what is it? And then that just became a thing. Like, hey, kid. Go get me a pint of what is it, okay? And so there was just manna there. There was a rock that was tapped, and water just came out of the rock. And then they complained about that. So God sent quail. Quail is a fine meal. Anybody get an amen on that? Okay? And they're complaining about quail. What you going to do, eat chicken? Quail's good. Anyways, I digress. This is the seventh time that they have complained. You know that seven is a big number to God, okay? When you track these things, significant things normally happen in in these series of numbers. So uh, they complain about the food. Verse 6, then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and they bit them so that many Israelites died. God was mad at the people and so he plagued them with snakes. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image. This is weird, okay? Listen. Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. That's weird. We're being plagued by snakes, and so it's like we'll cry out to God. No, but isn't it even part of the Ten Commandments not to make an image? By the way, this image will be worshipped and will be made later into an idol. And King Hezekiah later in the Bible will actually have this bronze snake destroyed because people didn't get the under, they didn't get what it represented and began to worship it instead of the one who uh, kind of created it. Right. Uh, or created this whole principle. And so King Hezekiah will later have this snake destroyed because they're going to keep it and they're going to use it sort of as an idol. But it was never meant to be an idol. It is actually a perfectly crafted response from God 
to the people to point to Jesus. Remember, there's 66 books in the Bible, but there's only one story. Everything points to Jesus, okay? So what you just read is a story about Jesus. I'm going to explain myself just in case you think I'm crazy. I want you to go with me in John chapter 3. Again, this will be on the screen. Many of you are familiar with the passage John 3.16. If you're old, you remember Rainbow Head being at all the games, holding up John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believeth, I'm doing King James here, whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this was at all the football games. Rainbow Head is holding this up. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're just young. You don't know stuff. Okay. Um, John chapter 3, go with me. I'm going to take you into the story. Jesus has come on the scene, and, and he actually doesn't begin his ministry. He doesn't b- begin doing like miraculous things and validating himself as the Messiah, as the Savior, until he is 30 years old, okay? And so we're, we're sort of coming in on this phase in his life. And he begins to do all of these things that are validating him as the son of God. Now, if you walk into this very Jewish, very Hebrew, uh, they, they are, their religion is Judaism. And they hold God in high regard, wouldn't even say his name because they revered God so much. And so for Jesus to come in claiming to be the son of God was like, we... We're going to have to kill this dude, right? So the religious rulers, the Sanhedrin, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these dudes are going to be against Jesus from day one. But there is one, and his name is Nicodemus, and he comes at night to meet with Jesus. Did it just happen to be at night, or was he under the cloud of darkness? Probably under the cloud of darkness, but we don't know. But he comes to Jesus, and he begins to ask him, Because Nicodemus sees what we all think that we would have saw when we read the scripture. He's like, listen, how are you doing this stuff? Like, blind people are seeing, you're turning water into wine, you're doing, how are you doing this? What is your trick? And Jesus begins to tell him, uh, because Nicodemus is going to be a very educated man, Jesus says, you must be born again. He's like, Nicodemus, you don't get it because you've not been born again. You've got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, do I enter into my mother's womb again? How can I be born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 you've got to have, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I want you to go read John 3. He's, he says, no, you've got to have not, not just, you can't just be born of water. Which, by the way, when a woman goes into labor, what happens? Water breaks, okay. You can't just be born of water and you're like, it's ambiotic fluid. We still say your water breaks. We know what it is, okay. Uh, But you can't just be born of the flesh. You also have to be born again spiritually. See, inside of you is a spirit. Think about Adam is created. God makes him from the dirt. That's actually what Adam means in Hebrew is dirt. Adam is formed. But there's just a body until what? What enters into his body? God gave him the ruach, the breath, the spirit. And so God places a spirit inside this vessel, and that is what you are. This is just carbon, and it is wasting away, some of us more than others. But it is just, y'all didn't laugh at that at all, man. Y'all are sensitive today. Come on. Um, 
it is wasting away, but inside of you, this thing that thinks that you can still do it, right? This thing that is timeless inside of you, that is your spirit. And he says that has to be born again. You've got to not just have a flesh birth, but you have to have a spiritual birth. Nicodemus, you've got to be reborn. And Nicodemus asked this in, verse, in John chapter 3, verse 19, on, this, on the screen. How can these things be? Okay, Jesus is going to reply with something brilliant. All right? And this is where we're going to come back to our snake on the pole thing. Here's what he says, John 3, 13. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The snake on the pole was always going to point to Jesus. 66 books, one story. The snake on the pole points to Jesus. Baby, get the keys. We're leaving. He's a heretic. The snake is Satan. No, stop. Wait, hold on. You are right by recognizing the serpent, by recognizing the snake. Remember, as we read the Bible, they are going to you, these Hebrew authors, God, who inspired all of this, is going to use some things to catch your attention, okay? There are symbols, there's imagery here, and every time you see it, it's supposed to take you back to where you met this. And so the snake, yes, is going to take you back to the Garden of Eden where a serpent came and deceived Adam and Eve. But remember, it is just a symbol. That's, okay, so every snake that you see is not actually Satan, although some of you act like it is. Okay, and you're like, and spiders, I would like to throw in sharks. Those freak me out. But uh, it isn't actually Satan. It's just an image. It's just a representation, okay? And so this snake that is set on the pole, these snakes that are released on the people are supposed to take you back to the garden where Adam and Eve were given a choice. You can have the tree of life, which is God. Or you can have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which if I want the knowledge of good and evil, I no longer need your knowledge of good and evil. I don't need to follow you because I can make my own decisions because I have the knowledge. So I have God or be my own God. Right? And so when the people were complaining in the desert that their food stunk, God was like, I'm giving you food every day. But you're complaining, you want something else, you want to set your menu, so you want to be your own God. And so he gave them snakes, why? To point them back to the original sin in the garden, to show them what they were doing, okay? So John's going to use this same imagery to point Nicodemus back to you. Do you want God? Do you want the God who is and what he provides, because Jesus has come and provided manna. The what is it? He is it. Okay? Or do you want to be a God yourself? And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were, had made up a whole bunch of rules. We already, have y'all ever had, read Leviticus? You're like, I tried, and then, right? Now, it's actually really interesting once you kind of understand uh, sort of what God was doing. But man, if you're, if you're new to this whole faith thing, I want you to eventually read Leviticus, but not today. Start in John today, okay? It's a bit of a snoozer in the beginning. But 
these guys had added laws. They had added a book about this big to the Levitical laws already. They're trying to be their own God. He's pointing them back to the snake. And so you have this strange circumstance where the people were being plagued by snakes. And then, oddly, they had to put a snake up on the pole. Why? So that people could see it and recognize what Jesus was drawing them back to. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So don't freak out that Jesus is being compared to a snake, okay? We also call Jesus a roaring lion, right? Lion of Judah. You know who else is called a roaring lion? In 1 Peter, Satan is like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. So don't, don't get, understand the point behind the imagery. Don't get caught up in this, okay? And, uh, and, and we can't make the creator like, no, let me, let me, let me start there. We can't make the creator the creation. He's not the creation, these are similes. These are like using like and as. He is like a roaring lion. He's not, so every lion that you see is not Jesus and it's not Satan. Okay, so don't, don't freak out by the snake thing. But the snake is going to take you back to Genesis. It's the, 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 the symbol of deception. Okay, so you're tracking with me so far. Genesis 3, chapter 5. Uh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. On the screen, remember I was telling you this. This is what the serpent is going to say to Adam and Eve. He says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, so you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the symbol that the, the, the snake plague is going to bring you back to. So they had a problem. Snakes. Right? So the people in, in the wilderness... They grumble against God, and he sends snakes, and now they've got a snake problem, right? Wrong. They have a sin problem, okay? Same as the rest of us. And so we begin to look at the snakes in our life. Some of y'all just started looking around. No, I'm not talking about the people sitting beside you, okay? Chill. We begin to look at the snakes and not understand that it's not the snake, it's the sin. And so when this serpent was made of bronze and placed on a pole, they're having to face this and say, it's not the snake, it's me. Because the very one who I'm grumbling against is the very one that I need to save me from the snakes. But it's not the snakes. It's the very one I need to save me from myself. You understand? The problems that they had created, they created for themselves and they needed a savior from their problems. And so they had to look up and face their own depravity. Church, if you will face your own sinfulness, if you will face your own depravity, it will force you to look at Jesus because you know that you cannot escape it yourself. I am getting to the point in life where I really don't like to give advice. Instead, I like to, pe to tell people just to seek help. It's like, well, that's redundant. That's why I'm here to see you, is to seek help. When we get advice, the problem is we go off alone and try to take that advice. And in the beginning and in the end, what do we have? Ourselves. You've got to look at the serpent 
on the pole and realize that yourself is the problem. <laughs> Yourself's what got you in the hole. It's not yourself that brings you out. It is a Savior that is going to bring you out. That's literally what Savior means. He's saving you from a hole, from drowning, from yourself. And so they had to look and face their own depravity. This is the thing that I've learned about life. There's no referee running around in your life telling you when you've committed a foul. Isn't that weird? When you're a kid, you kind of grow up and you watch somebody and you say, man, they know that they have this problem. Why won't they just fix it? And then you grow up and you realize they never knew they had that problem. No one had told them. Be it good or be it bad. No one is following you around saying, hey, it just happened. You're officially an alcoholic. No one's there to tell you that. No one's there to say, you know what, it just happened. You're officially abusive. There's no referee blowing the whistle to say that. And I know what you're thinking, and mostly it's men who are thinking this. Well, I've got a referee, I married her. If you're expecting your wife to be your referee, it's unfair to her. So you expect her to be your referee, but then you're going to call her a nag. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. I heard some amens in a high-pitched voice. Okay. Uh, there's no referee, so you've got to evaluate yourself. But I stink at evaluating myself, so what do I have to do? I have to look at the snake on the pole. What does that represent? My own depravity. Until I can see my own sinfulness, I don't understand myself. That was good. Until I can see my own sinfulness, until I see my own depravity, until I understand the depths of my sin, how low I really am, call it what it is, I think some of us need to walk out of here today saying, you know what? I am a whatever. On the opposite side too, there's no referee running around telling boys, you're a man now. The world used to have customs for that, and we don't. By the way, if you're a man in here, go download the book, Play the Man by Mark Batterson. I don't see anybody writing this down. Uh, you need to get this. You need to get it on Audible and read it by the end of the week, okay? Uh, we've got to begin to tell young men you are now a man so that they can begin acting like it. But nobody, even on a good side, hey, you're a good man. Look at you. Look how kind you are. There's no referee telling you these things, so I have to see the snake on the pole. And that's the standard by which I live. And Jesus is now that new standard. Because in the Old Testament I had to look and see my own depravity and now I have to look and see my Savior. This is the big difference between the Old and New Testament. Is I'm not just looking at the problem anymore, I'm looking at the solution. Jesus is the thing set up on the pole for me to evaluate my life by and say I am depraved but I am received. Second Corinthians 5.21, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. Well, how's Jesus the snake on the pole? Because he took your sin when he went on the cross. This is why it's a snake that represents him. Because it is your depravity that was placed on him. It was that original sin in the garden that he took on him. That's why he's the snake, the serpent on the pole. Okay, So that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. So now we look at Jesus instead of just our own depravity. And then we get to 3.16. John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes, highlight that in your mind, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay? John 3.15 said he's the snake on the pole. John 3.16 says look on him and believe. And so when they were bitten by snakes, they looked at the, at the serpent on the pole and they were healed. And now when we are bitten by our own depravity and we see that we are sinful and we cannot get ourselves out of it. Some of y'all know this story and I need to start hearing some amens on this because you've tried for years to make yourself a better version of you and failed. Amen? Yes. And that's why even man secular, even AA, sociologists uh, will tell you this on a large scale, psychologists will tell you this on a personal scale. Until there is a greater being in your life, and we're sitting here going, dude, the Bible's been saying this all along. You cannot dig yourself out of it. There has to be something more than you. And we believe that there is a Savior who pulls us out because He loves us. Okay? And so He became that serpent on the pole. He took our sins and so we, we look at our depravity and our salvation there is eternal life in that why because i'm saved from myself when i when i see my unrighteousness i'm made righteous so call it what it is it's liberating there are people in this place that can tell you the until i said Hi, my name is Jared, and I'm an alcoholic. Until I said, I'm sorry, I've been a bad father. Until I've said, I cannot stop watching this stuff. Until I said, I have a problem. Until I said, I am selfish. Until I called it what it is, I couldn't move on from it. Dude, call it what it is. There's nothing but salvation on the other end. Now, Believe, 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 believe that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What does believe look like? This is interesting because we're, we're going to talk about this in, in just a second. I'm going to give you the scripture. But there, we believe a lot of things. And a lot of people believe in God, but they're not Christians. So this is kind of interesting. This term uh, belief. I, I heard this analogy. I didn't come up with this. I heard this uh, from a guy named Francis Chan. One of the best analogies I've ever heard in my life. Imagine for a moment that I'm a child and my father has told me to go clean my room. Okay? So off I go. Is there a split in this anywhere? Right, I've got to go to my room here. Okay, so off I go and I come back. Did you clean your room? No, I didn't. But I thought about it. And you're like, well, that's stupid. Whip that kid. Well, isn't that what we do to God? He tells us how he wants us to live, and we're like, I believe you. And then we come back, and it's like, did you do it? No, but I thought about it. Well, then go clean your room. All right. Did you do it? No, but I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to talk to you about it. Go clean your room. All right. Did you clean your room? No. But I learned how to say clean your room in Hebrew. <laughs> and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, right? And this is what we do to God. 
And he says, this is the way I want you to live. And man, we find every way to justify that we're doing this without ever actually doing it. But that's not belief. Okay? That's not belief. If I said, victim, 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 Landon. If I said, Landon, I'm going to throw this bottle at your head. Okay? What's he doing? He's got his arms up. Why? Because Landon knows me, man. He, 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 I'm sorry, I put some sauce on that one. Hey, that's why you catch with your hands, not your body, all right? Anybody receivers in the house today? Okay. All right. Now, he put his hands up to guard himself. Why? Because he believed what I was saying is true. And I think that we have a lot of the, uh, a lot of the kind of church at large. Of course, there'd be no one in here. And, of course, I've never done this. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. We have a lot of the church at large that, that is really living like we don't believe that God is going to do what he says that he's going to do. He's never given us a reason to believe that he wouldn't come through with what he says that he's going to do. And so when God says that there's an incoming, you better be ready. And when God says that there's a hell, you better be ready. When God says that there's a heaven, you better be ready. You better get your hands up to catch the ball because belief requires action. Let me prove my point for just a moment here, okay? Uh, James chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. See, it's not just about believing that God exists. Satan has met God and he still opposes him. It is about believing that God is your Lord and Savior. And he says, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Because you just said God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You said nothing about earning it. You said nothing about works. No, we don't earn it. It's by belief. But when I believe, I act. When I believe, I act. Okay? So, I'm lost in my notes here. Here we go. John 3, 19. Let's keep going. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. See, faith... This is, this is rough. Faith produces an action or it isn't faith. Faith is going to require action or it really isn't faith. Jesus says he's coming, I'm ready for Jesus to come, or I kind of don't believe it. But, preacher, you tell me all the time, works is not how you get there. It's not. It is a product of my belief. Think about it this way. Works, good deeds, action, I'm just going to say works. Works are not how I get saved. They're how I know I got saved. Okay? My action is not how I get to the Father. I can't earn that. They're how I know I've been with the Father. So it requires action on my part. And this is why I say, if 
if you got, and just, just generically, this is me, anybody, I'm not looking at anybody on this, but if you got saved five years ago and nothing has changed in your life, you didn't get saved five years ago. Now, now that sounds like super judgmental, and I don't at all want it to sound like that. But we serve a real God who produces real change. And man, when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts, you can't help but do something differently. And some of you will say, listen, I still don't have it all together, but you should have seen what I was. I, I get that. I get that. It's not about us being better than anybody at all. In fact, it's about, I'm looking at the snake on the pole. I'm, I'm constantly forced as a Christian to see my own sin and depravity. I don't feel better than anyone. In fact, I feel worse. Worser, even. It's about how good my Father is. It's about being clean from my sin, even though I don't deserve it. And I can't do that part myself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. This is how we know that we know Him. That's a good opener, isn't it? If we keep His commands. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying this is what the Scripture like really clearly teaches. If we teach His commands. Well, hold on. Can I not sin again? Ooh, I've got something for you. Hang on. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we're in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. I want you to go on and read 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 is going to talk about practicing sin, okay? And we've gone through this. If Jesus says, follow me, and he walks out this door, okay, I may stumble and trip and fall and do double gainers or whatever, the, 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 the difference is I get up and keep moving to follow him. See, every stumble, every trip is a sin. But when I practice sin, that means I've committed a lifestyle where I say, you know what, forget that, I'm going this direction. See what I'm saying? And so... It, 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 it's, the word is not telling us that you will never sin again. You will sin again. Oh, will you sin again? But you will get up, and because the Holy Spirit is with you, and because the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you will say, you know what? Even though there's something shiny over here that I want, I must follow the Savior. And so you may have a bad attitude when you do that. Your mouth, listen, if cuss words take you out of heaven, I can start pointing around the room right now. And I don't want to call names, but there's a couple people within a stone's throw me. They ain't going to make it. All right? <laughs> so it may, and I'm not, I'm not condoning these things. I'm, I'm, I'm being lighthearted. But I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. Keep getting up, walking to the Father. You will never do it perfectly. If you could, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you could do it perfectly, you wouldn't need a Savior. And again, I'm not condoning sin. I'm encouraging Get your butt up and keep following the Savior. It's when we say, you know what, forget it, and we walk the other way. That's when we have a problem. The Father says that if you know Him, you will follow Him. I want the worship team to come back up. So, question is this. Have you looked at the pole? Jesus is the one on the pole who covers our sins, every single one of us. 
See, all sins are not necessarily punished the same. As you read through the Bible, there's some sins that God just punishes differently than others. However, in a certain sense, they are all the same because all of them make us fall short of God. Because he's perfect, so any sin that you commit is falling short of the standard of perfection, which is God. And so every one of us have to be saved from ourselves. And to do that... Okay, remember when the plague of snakes came on the people as a result of their sin. Because we live in a sinful world, do we not? And we are plagued by serpents, are we not? We are plagued by snakes. And so the people could look at the snake on the pole, and if they looked at it, they would be healed from their venomous snake bite. If they would not look at it, they would die. We live in a world where there is sin, where people will bite you, and I've done that. There are people in this world who hate me because I was that venomous snake. And you have been too. No one's without sin. But the question is, have you looked at Jesus raised up on the cross to face your own depravity, to face your own sin, to be reminded that I had a choice between God and being God myself, and I chose trying to play God myself. We've all done it. And God, I need you to save me from it. I want life, not the knowledge of good and evil. I want Jesus, not myself. So I look at my own depravity, and I say, God, save me, from myself and this is belief this is salvation that we say Jesus come into my heart and save me from my own sin the snakes weren't the problem their own heart's condition was the problem that's why the snakes came in the first place Jesus save me from myself today could be so liberating for you if you have tried to dig yourself out of your own hole for your whole life, man, you can't do it. You just can't do it. Anybody here tried to dig themselves out? I tried every way I could do it before I finally came to Jesus. Man, you see testimonies. It's so liberating when you come to the Father. Now, He's going to require some stuff of you. Absolutely. And guess what? It's going to be for His glory. It may not be fun at the time, but it is for your good. He is going to liberate you as you begin to take in the Scripture and live the way that He wants you to. Not just, God, I, I went and talked with my friends about what it would be like to clean my room. I still didn't do it, but we had a little study. To actually do it is so liberating. So I want everybody just to bow. We're gonna, uh, we're just gonna pray. We're gonna be in a spirit of prayer. Uh, the the worship team is gonna close us, and then we're gonna go outside and celebrate with our with our friend and our brother as he is baptized for making this decision. And uh, I just want you to just right now. I want you to close your eyes. We do this sometimes, okay? I trust, hey, I'm not going to do anything weird. I know we're talking about snakes, but it's not like that, all right? I'm not, not about to pull out a basket of snakes. We'll be snake handling and all that stuff, all right? I'm not doing that. It's just you're in your bubble right now. It's just you and the Lord. 
Okay? Now I want you to go to your favorite place. We do this sometimes. It's the lake house. It's the ski lodge. It's the desert. You're on the pyramids. I don't care. Somewhere where there's only you and Jesus. You can sit beside him because you can't face him. Or what I do is I sit right in front of him and I just look at his feet because I can't even look at his face. And I want you to look right now at the snake on the pole. I want you to look at Jesus and I want you to talk to him for just a second. And I hate to talk while you're alone with Jesus. But this is what I want you to talk about. This is the point of conversation today. If you've believed in the existence of Jesus, but you've never accepted him as the, the payment for your sin, if you have never accepted him as the one who takes away your sin that you have committed, I want you to sit right in front of Jesus and I want you to go to him and ask him to save you from yourself, to take away your sin, to take away your snake bite. And I really, I really, I want everyone to keep their eyes closed and just stay in that place. But if, if you said, I prayed this prayer today, I talked to Jesus. And by the way, that's what you're doing right now is praying. And this is available to you anytime. I want you, if you said, I've never done that, I've never asked Jesus to come save me from myself. I want you to just slip your hand up just so I can see that. So that you can say today was your first time to ever pray that prayer to Jesus. To ever ask him to save you. Anybody can say, this is my first time I've ever prayed this. I asked Jesus today to save me from myself. Okay. 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 I want you to be so bold as to uh, write this on your connection card today. Drop it in the basket. Or uh, as the prayer team comes. Prayer team, I want you all to stand up and go ahead and make your way to the front row. I want you to grab one of these prayer team members today and say, man, today... I told Jesus to come save me from myself. And uh, they want to pray with you. They want to take these next steps with you. And they're taking this serious and, and praying for you and with you all week. So I uh, hope that you would do that. Uh, but for the rest of you, I want you to close up this conversation with the Lord and come back in reality for a minute and join us as we close in worship, okay? Uh, as we're doing this, as we worship today, baskets are going to come forward. Put your connection card in there. Let us know if there's any way that we can walk with you, serve you. Also, tithe and offerings part of the way that we worship. It's the appropriate place to drop that as well. But stand and just continue to be in the presence of the Lord, and let's worship together.